You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Listen up, NBA fans. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up using code TBE. Select between two and six NBA players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Track your picks and play against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now using code TBE and take on the competition with your best NBA player picks. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. <laughs> I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. This is part two of our podcast with Jeff Gordon. You heard part one. You heard Jeff talk about being a DJ. How about breakdancing? He's from Vallejo, California. And he's a Smurf. <laughs> DJ Smurf. And he started driving a car when he was like four years old. That's crazy. Um, when you're driving a car at four years old, do you get diaper breaks? My mind is blown. I have no idea. Because yeah. you, you you know he tinkling on the cell for four years old. <laughs> you driving, but I got to have potty breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, well, part two is pretty awesome. You love to hear Jeff Gordon go in depth about his career, 81 pole positions, mm. and just what he's learned about himself as he's gotten older. Yep, let's cut to it. Jeff Gordon, part two. How long 
of your career did you observe this was maybe a sport that wasn't for everyone? Yeah. Well, I can. The very first second year I was in quarter midgets, there was a a, a black family that that raced, mm-hmm. and but they were one of the few. I mean, they were one of the very few. And so you knew that it was rare, hmm. right? It was really primarily, there, there was a few female drivers out there and there are a few, you know, black families that were out there, but, but it was very rare. And that was in California. So it was probably happened more in California than it, than it happened in other areas. Um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't think anything of it at the time because uh, you, you were always used to being around so many different so cultures. I, yeah. yeah. And so I was, and then I looked at it as, as more female start try. And I had, there was uh, a, a girl that I raced a girl named Kara Hendrick, very talented race car driver from Southern California. Unfortunately, she was killed in a race car, mm. but I thought she was the, she was going to be the next Janet Guthrie, um, mm. you know, or, or a real major female to, to go a long way. And, and it was such a huge loss because it didn't, it wasn't just what her career was going to do, but how she was going to influence others. Um, but I looked even at, at the female pool of drivers and I said, the only way that we're going to find the best to excel at the top level is we got to have more of them competing just like I did and others did before me start at a young age you know, you, you've got to get the experience, you've got to have the talent and, and, you know, the only way you can do that is to have a large pool of, so we got to have more people engaged in the sport mm-hmm. uh, of all different types of ethnicities and, and genders. And, and that's the only way we're really going to have somebody get to the top level and actually be able to, um, you know, excel at it. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I certainly hope that we can find better pass as you mentioned to to do that at a young age because right now yeah it's it's usually not happening if it does happen it happens when they're older so what was the race culture you go from california indiana now you're here in charlotte what was that race culture from the midwest west to now the south um yeah, you know, the South was all about stock cars, right? <laughs> it was full fendered stock car racing. And and that was new to me. I, mm. I was an outsider. When I came to North Carolina, people mm. looked at me as an outsider, mm. you know, and and what do you mean an outsider? Because, because I, you, you Because I, I'm from California, number one. Gotcha. <laughs> I was racing sprint cars and open wheel dirt cars. Okay. Not not anything that most of the guys were racing to excel at NASCAR. You know, you, you look at I mean, Dale Earnhardt, I think he you know, started racing some kind of stock car on probably dirt tracks when he was 16, 17 years old. You got a, a later start in racing, and, and then it was introduced right into stock cars, some kind of street stock or some, some kind of full-fendered vehicle where, for me, it was very early mm. age open-wheel racing and all, you know, just oval stuff. So, um, so yeah, it, it, there's, there's no doubt there, there was a difference, but you have to understand – I looked at it as, man, you mean to tell me I could race every day of the week in <laughs> Indiana? You know, I could go to Ohio 
Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, and there was a race happening somewhere. In California, they wouldn't even let me race. And, th- and this is the one thing I was going you were, to – you were talking about racing a car at five and six years old. I'm going to tell you what, that was nothing compared to driving a, a full-blown sprint car, 650 horsepower at 13. <laughs> that – what? That that one scared. Oh yeah, that real safe. Yeah, that scared the crap out of me. This is when I I actually look back on this, especially now as a parent. I say to my stepdad, I'm like, "You were either crazy or you didn't care whether I died." <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but thank you. How's it? Look, look where look where you are now. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. It was nuts, man. Wow. It was nuts, uh, but it worked. <laughs> Because <laughs> here I am today, you know, talking about this crazy journey that that um, that that was created because of those two significant moments: getting introduced to quarter midgets at a young age, mm. getting introduced to that sprint car at thirteen. That's crazy. How'd you deal with not? I mean, even as you talked about coming in from the West Coast, how'd you deal with not being accepted early on as a, as a driver? I just wanted to prove myself, you know, and 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 I want I just wanted to fit in, right? I, I wanted to do everything I could. I I I probably didn't take advantage of my uniqueness mm. at, at that time. It was in me and yeah. and I and I had my own path and but I wanted so badly to fit in because I wanted to be there. I wanted to race against them and I wanted to do more of it and I wanted to excel at it and I felt like the only way I could do that is is to, you know, say the right things, do the right things, not get in trouble, um, you know, and, and go perform on the racetrack. And, and yeah, it wasn't until I got more confidence that, okay, I'm here, I'm established now. Mm. Now I can start to be more me Mm. and, and shoot, that probably didn't happen till almost till I retired, to be honest. Wow. Just because, you know, you're representing sponsors, a fan base, a, you know, a team of people. And, and to me, I, I didn't want to rock the boat. I just wanted to, uh, you know, put my head down, do my job and, and represent all those entities the best I could because I wanted to keep doing it. And I was getting paid really well to do it. So I mm. didn't want that to stop. Mm. I mean, you led right into it. NASCAR is heavily dependent on sponsorships. And you know, obviously more than anyone at this table. You know, how much sponsorships, like you said, how much sponsorships play a role in your, the food on the table, how you travel, just everything is dependent on, on sponsorships. Why has that always been the case? Like, why, why, is, why is NASCAR always heavily dependent on basically other people investing? Sponsor-driven. Sponsor-driven, other people investing in you doing a sport and a skill that you love to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's, if you think, I mean, you could, you could isolate NASCAR or formula one and, and kind of have that story because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that there, there, that's the pinnacle, right? That that's, that's where the money is at. Every other form of racing is really hobby racing. Mm. Um, I shouldn't say everyone. I mean, there's, there's guys making a living doing it, mm. but the owners that provide the cars, if they don't have that sponsorship, they're just doing it out of their pocket. And yeah. as I mentioned, it's not cheap, you know? No. It, it, and so it doesn't matter what level you're doing it at. You're always, and, and money does buy speed. You know, it, 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 that, that's, you know, a term that we use. The more money that you can spend 
on either the best people, mm. the best components in the car, mm. maybe freshest component. Like, like if, if you can, if they would allow you to have the freshest engine and, and the latest, greatest technology, I mean, you're talking about titanium components and, wow. you know, it gets expensive, yeah. right? And it makes, and you, so you want more horsepower. You want, you want more speed under the hood, but then you need more downforce, more grip, new tires, new. So it, the, the, the budget can just go through the roof. So you're, you're always dependent on, on some kind of, of income mm-hmm. that goes beyond. If you just took a race car, built the race car, and I'm, I'm talking about grassroots racing right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You built a, a late model or a sprint car, and you go to the racetrack, and you just went off the winnings. You're not gonna make money. Mm. You're, wow. you're gonna, you know, the winnings, the purse money that you're competing for, is is not enough. Wow. Now, if you get to NASCAR and Formula One, this this gets you know deep into the business side of things because, uh, you know, you've got a great TV contract for for racing, right? It's mm-hmm. not great compared to NFL and yeah. NBA, but it, it is. For the content, yeah, is great. It yeah. is great, and and it's it you know has great viewership, mm-hmm. very you know uh, a very solid average viewership, very loyal fan base, very loyal. Um, and and so then you know you take that, and and what's in the purse through the TV money, to do it at the highest level to win, you still don't make money. Wow. So you got to have those sponsors, and and you know you hope that you're giving the sponsors. Uh, enough value of what you're asking for but you know in this day and age with different media outlets um you know companies are 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 finding ways to spend their money in so many different areas that that just isolating it now live sports is still good Mm -hmm. right that's Mm -hmm. that's still a great way to advertise so we still have solid sponsors but you know the sports got more expensive and and sports marketing and some of the money they're spending on on race cars has been kind of going down. Mm. That's why you see us have more sponsors. It used to be, you know, SDP was Richard Petty, DuPont was was you you were, you were Pepsi or Lowe's and Jimmy yeah, Lowe's Johnson. Yeah, and Jimmy Johnson. Those days are are you know few and far between now to to have one company that can do the 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 full. So amount. does it take more work to keep multiple sponsors happy? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta do a lot um, you know for them. But that's that's part of the deal. I mean, ever since I came into racing my understanding was that it took money to race mm-hmm. and and you either had somebody that had the money they wanted to spend or they had a connection with a company maybe a b2b type sponsor or somebody just came in and um you know you're 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 meeting people constantly and connecting and yeah. and saying hey would you like to i mean i can remember making phone calls at you know 16 years old Hey, would you like to sponsor my sprint car? Oh, you know, my, you. I mean, my parents couldn't afford to do all of it, but they could afford, you know, to introduce me to it. Mm. And along the way, you meet people that want to help. They just like racing. Maybe they like you, whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, I would call people. And he's like, I met you, you know, at this track. And you said you, you'd be interested in maybe helping us out if we ever. Yeah, what do you need? Well, we're trying to put this program together and we need a new engine. What's that cost? 30000 yeah, man, send me the bill. I'm like, <laughs> wow. He said yes, you know, and and you're like, wow, you know, that's selling like, in, driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, you said it. So, there's such a heavy business aspect of NASCAR. What were the factors, if you, if we so may ask, what led you to move from Ford family to drive for the 
um, for Rick Hendrick and, and Chevrolet. Yeah, so when I came into NASCAR, my first opportunity was just random. Uh, a guy that I, I uh, came across at a, a driving school. It was a, a NASCAR Buck Baker driving school in Rockingham. And and uh, somehow they knew I, you know, what my background was, the racing I was doing. Because um, the racing I was doing at that time was – these live races on ESPN. So I was, I, I kind of had built up a name for myself mm-hmm. in that, in that world, but I was really wanting to get into NASCAR and stock cars. Um, and, and so he gave, you know, he's like, Hey man, you know, you want to take a few laps in my car? I I'm doing this more just as a hobby for fun. I might do a couple races. He's a business guy. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a real pure racer. He yeah. just liked cars. And, and so anyway, I got in there and, and I went really fast. And so he's like, I realized when I saw you making those laps, maybe I shouldn't be in this thing. Maybe you should be in. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so I drove three races for, for him that year, a guy named Hugh Connerty. And, and we sat on the outside front row at Rockingham in my second race. We qualified second. Hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, phones started ringing back in Indiana when I got back from that race. And one of them was Ford. And they said, hey, you know, we saw what you did at Rockingham. We'd like to talk to you about an opportunity. And so they really did give me my first real opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a great relationship, you know, with Bill Davis and drove for Ford and Bill Davis for two years in Xfinity uh, back then, Bush Grand National Series. And so all of a sudden, things were going really well. Started winning races, started getting a lot of attention. And next thing I know, I'm getting offers from a few different you know, owners, which I was flattered by, but, but, um, you know, I wanted to stay loyal to, to Bill and we started searching for sponsors and like, it was okay. You've got Jack Roush and you've got Rick Hendrick and, and, you know, even Cale Yarbrough had a team at the time that was talking to me and I started looking at their organizations and they're already established. This team was trying to get from Xfinity to cup it was a big mountain to climb mm. and a lot of money to do it. And so, you know, it just, just kind of came to this place where Rick Hendrick made me, you know, like a real offer. I didn't have a contract with Ford past that year, but we were trying to make it work. And I just realized, you know, this is, this is a long road and this is, man, I get to go right into the best stuff. Wow. So, you know, I wish I could say it was a harder decision than it was. Um, because it, it was a pretty easy one to be oh, honest. Oh wow! So it wasn't uh, hard at all. It wasn't. It was hard after the decision was made because I got criticized and judged <laughs> because everybody looked at me as a Ford yeah. guy. You know, Ford to Chevy is polarized. I, mean, I was with Ford for for a year and a half. <laughs> you know, my whole career I drove Chevrolet engine cars and non-descriptive cars of of, of a make. But NASCAR is a different deal, yeah. man. That was you that get, was a polarizing you decision. And, and you get with that manufacturer, and you, that that those fans are locked. You're supposed to be brand loyal, yeah, brand loyal. And so, wow. But so it, you but were, it's the best decision I ever made. So you were basically disliked because you switched to brand. Yeah, and and Annie's it was from Cali. Yeah. Annie Young. It's, Ain't that true? You're it's like, like a brother. It's, <laughs> I, well, you know, you know, honestly, you know who it makes me think? It I makes know. me think about Kobe Bryant. Seriously, think about it. Like he he got drafted really early, yeah. had success, Adidas. first ever guard out of high school. Like non traditional background, he came from Italy, 
spoke yeah. Italian. Yeah. Like, think about it. Like, early on success, that that ruffles people's feathers. So, I definitely get the the, the Kobe Bryant comparison. It, it you know, I, I will say there there was a, a probably a five year period where just man, everything I did just turned out good. Right? It was mm. just the timing yeah. of who I met, the car I got in. The, the, yeah, and the then you just on track performance is just, just all like, the success. Bam, 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 yeah. bam, bam. And the next thing I know, I went from you know graduating high school to winning the cup championship yeah. like three, four years later. Yeah. Uh, wow. yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. All right. So let's let's switch gears. Let's we usually call this uh, let's talk ball, <laughs> right. but um, you know football, yeah, no football, no basketball, ball sport. Yeah. So so let's let's talk gears. There you go. So right, in, talk, in talking these gears, we're gonna be okay with showing the lack of understanding we have, and and, yeah, and for the listeners, it may be dumb questions, but for nah, there's never a dumb question. I love it. You got You got You got to school me and Smith. I love on NASCAR, but there are on, some on dumb sport. questions. Yeah, yeah, there really is. They're really. I just imagine. Imagine NASCAR 101, and you're the professor. Yes. Okay. Here we go. I'll try. I'm not a professor, but I told you how for, bad for, I was in school. For us, you are. Yeah. I'll pretend. PhD. Sen- sensei. Yeah. Did you have a routine while driving? If so, what was that routine? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I think a routine is so important. Um, but we're, we're talking about driving a car, though. Well, I'm probably talking about routine of prepping see, to get in the car. That's what I, yeah. See, that's yeah. what I wanted to know. Yeah, I mean, to me, and you have to understand, and and I'm I'm see? ignorant to to you know what your day would have looked like on on game day, but on race day, it's you you're. It's with sponsors and fans and mm. you know you're interacting with all these different people from the time you get up in the morning wow. on race day that's just part of it man i mean it's that part's hours. always crazy to me hours i would be yeah. well i mean i don't know if it was hours but you're you would go to three to four different hospitalities suites mm. or or you know at the at the race hauler meeting five ten people that were somehow connected to one of the sponsors on your car. That's cool. So you, you know, every morning that, so, so at first it was like, man, I can't believe I got to do all this stuff before I go get in the race car, but then it becomes part of your routine. You just got to get into the mental place of I'm going to talk to these people, but like I'm talking, yeah. they're talking through me. <laughs> I, whatever just nod saying, your hand and say yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, I mean, it was hard for it to actually penetrate because wow. I'm thinking, Okay. Think about what you got to do. I wonder what that car is going to feel like for you know turn one. Okay, we made these adjustments for practice. So the whole time I'm thinking about that, but I'm interacting hmm. and I'm putting on a smile and I'm shaking hands and taking. That takes skill by itself. It took it took a long time to really get comfortable with with doing that, and then and then you go to what they call the you know the drivers meeting, which is basically a bunch bunch of sponsors and and you know mm-hmm. dignitaries or whatever that are there you're really not there learning it's not like they're saying hey here's how you're going to drive the race today i mean you already had that all figured out i hope so if <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to figure it out it's a day in a race it's a day in a race come on hey you know where the clutch is i thought it was a big left turn <laughs> but but what i what, what really became part of my routine later was was would from that moment from the time you finally got away from all of the, the, the distractions was 
I would I would go do a warm up just you know and this is more when I got older my body started failing on me my back issues and things like that but just I'd get on a bike I'd warm up do a few stretches exercises mm-hmm. have somebody you know kind of push me a little bit and and then I would go get into my you know race uniform but it was left leg right leg left sock right sock. superstitious I mean, it, I, you know i mean you could look at it that way uh. i think you could look at it that way i i didn't look at it that way but i'm gonna tell you what right now if, if i have somebody's like if my crew chief walked in he's like hey man what about i'd be put my what, uh, hang on one sec <laughs> <laughs> you know, no! so, so i did not want to mess up the routine gotcha you. you know i wasn't about like lucky pennies and oh anything like a like, like a baseball player almost yeah i mean some like or eat or like eat like a like, like a, eat all your fries no matter what yeah, yeah, yeah like no, if you, I went, I like, if you like were that. like if you were a former pitcher like you? like backstage joe <laughs> backstage joe is a former pitcher who they knew he he would eat fries and they would do various things with those fries oh, no. and he still had, he to, had eat to eat them all because that is thing. you know oh. it didn't it's have routine. Any, you know it the fries had more to do than his actual velocity of arm strength. It was just a fries. <laughs> of course, I didn't yeah. no skill involved. Uh, no, no skill. And now he has so much, you know, like post-traumatic <laughs> that, it, that it carries over. And like, we can't, we have to have certain meetings and we have to have certain post games. and Counseling. <laughs> All because of backstage, yeah. So that, so that, that became a, a place for me to just kind of get relaxed and mm. ready. So, yeah. so that routine... In that superstition, actually, was a a time for you to kind of reset to go. Okay, we're done with the the sponsorships. Now we're in race mode. Yeah, you still got to go out and do driver introductions. Yeah, but so, I'm just saying but it's yes. I, it, yeah, but absolutely. After driver introductions, it's it's oh, it's on and popping. The, the the best thing that would happen was, and and my wife would even tell you. That, like when her and my kids were there, because you know NASCAR—that's a cool thing about NASCAR—is you get to interact yeah. with them right, yeah. right until the time you get in the car. It's cool and it's not cool because Uh-oh. you know you're you are in this game mode. Get a little tightly wound. Yeah, man, I'm I'm wound up whether the day before went good or whatever our situation is. I could not wait to get in that car. I mean, like like it could be a hundred degrees outside. I'm sweating my butt off, but I'm like, get me in the car because I just want to get in there. And get the helmet on, get strapped in, and just truly get into hmm. that place. And and that was, if I miss anything now that I'm not racing, it's those moments. Like hmm. you get in there in the anticipation of getting the green flag and going racing and competing against uh, you know some of the best out there. That and and with a great team, and a great car. That was uh, that was a cool thing to, to experience. We have to take a break, and more than anything, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You that check. I love Cut To It, and I I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it, podcast.com.
Are you all about the NBA action? You got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. I've always wanted to ask a guy, especially because I know you've had some rivals. Now, I've watched you drivers sometimes, y'all. Hold me back. Hold me back. (laughs) And I see you guys go after it. But I got to ask you, too, though. Like, have you, like, gotten to that fight mode? And then you you forget to unbuckle? (laughs) Or you still got the harness? Well, got, like, well, we, damn harness! We get made fun of because we leave our helmets on. Yeah, right? like you get out of the car so fast. Well, there's been some football players who've been doing that the yeah. last yeah. couple you're fights like, too. Man, if you're gonna get in a fight, you gotta take your helmet off. It's like, yeah, yeah I probably should. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I, one time I, did, I I flipped over. Uh, uh, car was upside down, and, and especially in a stock car when it's upside down. You have an oil tank behind you, and and there's hot oil pouring out of that thing, and you're going, I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'd say. And 
And so you're laying upside down. You're like, okay, I know I shouldn't be taking my belts off. I really want to get out. of I bet I can get out of here. And you do it. Bad mistake. Worst Why? Mistake. Because as soon as you unbuckle, oh, yeah. you, every, you, go, yeah. you go straight to the roof, your yeah. whole body, you know, weight, and the belts have enough straps and things where usually it's going to catch on something. So now not only are you hanging, but you can't get undone. And oh, oh it's scary. It, you know, it's it's wow. like God. That wasn't very smart. And so I I, I tipped over. Um, it was slow roll at Daytona. It wasn't a bad accident, but it did go upside down. But I ended up upside down. And so I undid the belts. I was like, that was stupid. They they finally got the car right side up, and I got the belts off of me. But I'd taken my gloves off. And that was the really big mistake because as I climbed out, I didn't realize that the sheet metal had been all torn up and it just whew, sliced my finger. Ugh. So I get out of the car and they're like, oh, blood. You know, and immediately they're calling, you know, people over. I'm like, no, 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 it's just my finger, man. I just, I just cut my finger. It was not a, it was Significant. Know, not a great yeah. <laughs> thing. It was embarrassing, but uh, I was wow. like, oh, yeah, leave the gloves on. So what does Nat, what is, uh, a NASCAR rival mean to Jeff Gordon? Um, well, it's funny. It means something different to me now. Right now that I do TV, mm. I'm like, man, we need rivals. Oh, it's like, good for business. <laughs> yes. It's like I totally – when I was in it, when I was – you know, like I had uh, a rival with Dale Earnhardt, and, and he played it up good. I mean, he, he, that's, he was a master of that. And me, I was just like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I just – I just want to go out and do my, my job. I don't want to get distracted. He's just trying to mess with me and get in my head, get an advantage, or you know, the media is gonna gonna take something and, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna have to answer those questions and deal with it. I don't want to do that. I just want to race. And I probably I wish I'd have played into it a little bit more because I realize, you know, that the fans, what they love so much is they like you mentioned earlier, they love to love somebody they love to hate somebody and they love it when there's a rivalry mm-hmm. it just it just builds more interest and gives people way more the the personal aspect of it the human aspect of it is sometimes more entertaining than the actual race hmm. and we had i mean we had a fight this past weekend on on saturday not in the sunday race but the saturday race man that's all we showed on sunday was yep. these two yeah. guys swinging hey, and going at it did they land anything no they swing well, t- and a miss t- both t- of typical them. NASCAR fight. I I, the, the question is was it intentionally a miss you know oh. i mean you you connect with somebody you get suspended you you know you get you you probably won't be there the next the next week if, really if, yeah if if they see you make make contact by throwing a fist, you're, you're gonna, you can, you can wreck a guy like I've done. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, you can do a lot of things, but man, you can't swing and, and hit a guy. So, what about would you get suspended for open palm slap? <laughs> since you can't, I love it. Since you can't punch, <laughs> that's a good. You can smart. Sh- that's a smart way to get around. Yeah, you because if you still keep the helmet on, like I you can you can still smack somebody hard enough, and then well, there's like competitions, right? Slapping competitions, yeah. but uh, you can shove. And you can talk smack, but I don't think you could hit them in any. No form. open palm. Open palm is disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> of, co- of course, That's you'd right. say that. <laughs> I hey, I didn't backhand a few dudes in the locker room. None. You backhand somebody in the locker room? It's, it's intentionally oh, no. disrespectful. Now hold on. Now hold on. In the, in the <laughs> locker room, in the locker room, you can do all you want. So is it fighting in the? Uh, well, you got to understand yeah. the locker room. Does that's usually just like. 
the locker room to us would be like at the airport getting ready to leave. Yeah, they don't really have a or, locker room. Yeah, it, it's, oh. it's you know, you have your own individual trailer. But if somebody walked up into your trailer oh. and punched you or you Let's punched re- them, that's that's. So I, I want to revisit you backhanding people in your locker. Why would you backhand somebody? I mean, you get in a, you get in a little tussle with someone and um, not going to punch because if, first of all, if I'm punching, then it's, you know, we really into it. But uh, open, for me, the way I was right, open palm is all disrespectful. But a backhand and yeah. that's like some old school, like so I challenge you to a duel. So hold on. No, so backhanding <laughs> is. So you wanted to show your disrespect, but you don't want to actually get into a real. No, no, fight. no. So, so let me see. This is where you explain. You miss it. If I backhand you, I'm gonna backhand it out of you. Right. So what comes next is when I backhand you, you're gonna come back, and that's where you're gonna catch that two piece. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you orchestrate NASCAR fights, Joe. This is when you backhand somebody one, everybody goes, Did he just backhand him? Yes, I did. Is there like a player symbolism? And then for- here's the problem when he realizes he got backhand, he's going to say, He hit me like a. Right. And then he's going to approach. And then it's on. Then it goes very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm back there in a few people. This is, this is this smoke 101. Yeah. First of all, if I backhand you, I have no respect for you. <laughs> clearly. No. I mean, clearly. No, I mean, zilch. I, I don't really think that's a respectable you, type greeting. You ever, if you backhand someone, I would oh, yeah. think, oh, he respect the hell out of him. Yeah. I, I've, that's a good point. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I, I, I never once thought it was like a warm greeting. Yeah, I had a, I, if I punch somebody, I might just be mad at them. It doesn't mean I disrespect them. But if I backhand you. Yeah. Anytime you're about to fight somebody and an open palm is done, it's not gonna go well. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so we've digressed, but um, really want to talk about which I think is really cool. You've had eighty-one polls, which is unbelievable. Um, what What's the key to getting a poll, and when is the poll captured? Again. I know some of this stuff, but then I'm kind of like I get I, I get the opportunity to talk to a great, and you are you have done and doing commentary and analyst work, but you also know exactly what these individuals are trying to sure. accomplish. Yeah, well, first let's establish there's no actual physical poll. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we may even have to start just, from the beginning. Someone case. may not even know what just, the what it is. Yeah, so, I, and and I think. Pole position goes back to like horse racing. Oh, okay, okay. Where where there's like you know the pole is the there's inside. Some other, there's some other um, jobs that require pole, so I appreciate <laughs> yeah. you clarifying. Yeah. That. You, mean, you said it like that goes back to. I was like, yeah, right. Horse racing. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Well, I think it may all come full circle in some forms. But we win enough polls. <laughs> I see what you did there, Jeff. I see what you did well, there. Well, isn't that very thoroughbredish of you? <laughs> I see what you did there. But, uh, but, but winning the pole position or being the fastest qualifier, mm. um, yeah, I, I think, obviously, you know, the, the neat thing about racing is it's a team sport, but, but it's, it's machine. The machine is the athlete is the way mm. I look at it, right? Like, like people – debate whether race car drivers are athletes and, and don't get me wrong you got to be in 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 very good physical shape 
a different type of shape than say like you had to be for for football but you got to be in good shape but the race car that's what I want to be the thoroughbred. Mm. I want that race car, you know, to have just a little more downforce, a little less drag, a little more horsepower, just a little more grip than anybody else out there. Now, if if you know, if all things were equal, which they're not, I'm sorry, it's just not the case. It's just racing 101, the way it's been forever. Somebody's going to engineer something to make one car a little bit better wow. than the next. And NASCAR does an excellent job. At, at, at trying to create parity and all the different ways that they, they you know, measure the car and, and, and you know, inspect the car. Great job. But still, there's always going to be a way to, to try to get around that. And so, you know, on, on that day where you go to qualify, it's, it's that machine and it's you and you're just pushing it to the absolute limit of what that car is capable of doing. And, you know, if you do it right, then you're going to be the fastest one, and you're going to win the pole position. And and if you if you mess it up, you you're either going to say, okay, I I, I didn't get all of it, or the car wasn't capable of mm. more than I got. And so I would, you know, I I like to qualify. I loved being out there on that single lap, just pushing it. And I was I was always known to be a driver that that drove you know what we say deep into the corner. So mm. you know, there's a lift point at every yep. racetrack. There's not Daytona or Talladega, but on all the other tracks, there's this lift point of where you get in there. You might use brake, not use brake, depending on the track and corner size and everything. And you just want to carry as much speed in there. But you really want to get back to the throttle and carry all the speed through the center and all uh, back onto the next straightaway. So, you know, I love that challenge, man. Mm. I mean, I just that, to me, that's that's a purity of being a race car driver. So why, why is the pole position so important? Well, well, because a couple of things. One is it gives you the starting position to lead the field. You should be able to lead the field. Um, you know, you're side by side, so there's a chance that you might not, but gives you the best opportunity. Plus, it allows you to get a better pit stall. So, so where your pit crew is going to do their work, if you're the pole position, or if you're you know if you're number one on the grid, you get to pick where you want to be first. Ooh. So it gives it has an advantage throughout the entire race. And that's, it seems like that's what it's all about is what tiny advantage can you get every single time? That's right. My starting position, where my where my pit is, the modifications you make on your car. Every, it's NASCAR is almost like a game of inches. Well, too. And, and, you know, we talk about clean air in, in racing. And what that means is if you're the first car, all the air that's seeing your car, you know, it's, it, there's nothing disrupting. It, oh. It's seeing your car first, okay? So mm. it's attaching itself, giving you the best performance. Mm. As soon as you're the next one back, that air is doing all this. It's all just dancing all over the place, yeah. <laughs> so it's like getting in a jet wash of an airplane. And, and you know, they're just... It's, it's not going to attach itself to your car. And so you are already at a disadvantage. Mm. Now, if you're five, ten cars back, oh, pff, like you got nothing. You got no air getting to your car. Um, uh, just random now just made me think, do you believe NASCAR will transform, talking about Clean Air Act, talking about climate change? Just my thoughts when you said that. Do you believe NASCAR will transform itself into – uh, electric vehicle racing. Well, one day they'll have to. I mean, you know, mm. uh, y- you know. I think NASCAR plans to be around for a long time. A lot of the race teams plan to be around for a long time, and you see where the future is going in mm-hmm. in automobiles. Um, so it, it's hap- it's happening now. Um, you know, is it electric? Is it 
Is it because uh, it's thirty so minutes this, to charge though? But I'm just some even something a, that is even more, a supercharged station is. 30 I get what minutes. you're asking. It's something that's more sustainable though. Yeah, right. But so, I, and no, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't asking like higher level. I was asking bare bones. Yeah, do you electric, believe yeah. well electric cars? Because yeah, they, a lot of what we do is driven by the OEMs, right? Mm-hmm. And and so if, if they're initi- OEMs, though. oh that that I said yeah, <laughs> but I really I was like I don't really but think I know basically what that the is. manufacturer of the vehicle. Oh okay you know? okay. So so oh, yeah, Chevrolet yeah. and Ford and Toyota um, or any other manufacturer that wants to come into NASCAR, if they say listen electric vehicles is our future that's what we're going to be building we need to find a path to introduce that to nascar then it's going to happen Uh, you know i i I think there's already discussions about it but i think that what you're going to see is similar to what we've seen in formula one yeah now there's an all-electric formula uh series out there right now and what they do is they swap cars it's crazy so they start one car and run that thing till the battery's out Come in oh, and they get, get into another car, and then now I heard that this year they're going to have one car with one battery, but it's all about managing the power throughout the whole race. So, like you might say, "Hey, right now I'm going to use twenty percent of my battery to pass these two cars ahead of me," but then I'm going to have twenty percent less later. Yeah. In, in, right now, I'm just talking about the one car, but yeah, this series it's called Formula E. When they started. You had two cars because it couldn't run long enough. I know because it took so much power. Because of the speed, yeah. if you have yeah. the speed, exactly. I, I, just have a, I have an electric car, so that's why I was asking. Yeah. So what? But what's going to happen? I think in what we've seen in Formula One, where they introduce electric motor just for boost, right? Just for extra power, just to help the car accelerate off the corner. And, and now you're starting to see Ferraris and other cars that have um, Porsche, Ferrari that has this in it that makes the car actually perform better. So you take a gas-powered engine and the electric power. I think that's what you're going to see NASCAR do initially. Whenever that time comes, they'll probably just have some kind of electric motor, and it might be a boost to pass, right, mm-hmm. to, to that you get to use so much of it throughout the race. Like Maybe a, it regenerates, like regenerates the extra itself. Time, the yeah. extra, <clears throat> you earn it, like in yeah. a... Oh yeah, yeah, not fan vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you, or you're like, hey, you got to win two replays, overturn yeah. to get the third one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some of that. So I I think it's gonna. Now I will tell you this: if we ever go all electric, the thing I'm gonna push the hardest for. Mm-hmm is that it's got to make some kind of sound, right? Like, like <laughs> I don't want to hear the, the hissing and whistling of, of the drivetrain or the electric motor winding up. Uh, there's, there's technology out there right now for electric vehicles, uh, you know, that make their own amplified sound. Just make it sound cool, whatever yeah. it is. You know, if, if Chevrolet or Ford or Toyota says, okay, we're going all electric, no problem. But, man, give me some cool sounding thing that, that yeah. when that car goes by i'm like i'm not gonna say that's a v8 i'm gonna say that's a kick-ass sounding car yeah just gotcha. happens to be electric i think it's about that time just uh, take a little breather cut to it cut to it let's get down to it Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my That's my dance, <laughs> The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. In 1999, you, fa- you founded the Jeff Gordon Children's Foundation. Why was that important for you to do? You, had, you already had so, mu- so many things going on, raising a family, traveling around the world, uh, racing. And to try to you know, establish a foundation, um, take, take us through that. Why, yeah. why was that important for you? I mean, I think at that time in my life, I was... I always go back, you know, to to the beginning and and who who my parents are, what Mm -hmm. they taught me. And my parents always loved helping other people. It didn't matter what was going on in our lives. Somebody needed help. Boom. They were they were there to to lend a helping hand or do what they could for them. And so I think I kind of go back to that. But I, you know, I, I looked at my own career, my success, and I said, you know, there's gotta be more than just collecting trophies and winning races, uh, and and what what can I do uh, to, to give back? And along the way, uh, one of my crew chiefs, Ray Evernham, his son was diagnosed with leukemia. So mm. I had never, I didn't know a lot about uh, pediatric cancer and, and, you know, how it affected children and families until that happened. Mm. And, and when it hit close to home, then, and I had met a lot of kids through Make-A-Wish. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the, the combination of meeting kids through Make-A-Wish, what Ray had gone through with his son, um, you know, I, I wanted to do 
something yep. that I thought I could give back. And because I met so many kids that had this, I realized there's a real need out there. Mm. So, so I wanted to do things for pediatric cancer. So that, that's where it all started. Mm. Well, you guys do an amazing job being able to work on Smitty's Foundation. Um, you know, we've definitely have paid attention, and, and you guys do just an incredible and impactful work. So yep, definitely hats off to you, and, and we definitely see that uh, from afar, but then just being here within the Charlotte community, greater greater North Carolina, South Carolina community, you. you have an incredible impact yeah, on a yeah. lot of people. I appreciate it. I'm really proud of what, what we've done. You I thought be. when you I retired, be. you know, that that would be something that um, I could spend more time with, but also I didn't know what the future would hold for, you know, not not being in the race car, being able to promote it, wasn't you know not making the kind of money I was driving and uh, yet it's just continued to rise and take off. So I you know, I I've always had great people surrounding me on a race team and I've got great people on mm. on our foundation team and and they uh, they they've they've just surpassed anything I could have ever hoped for. Thank you. Our last segment is called Deep Three, and basically these are three questions that takes us to a deeper level outside of who you are as a race car driver, as an analyst, and all the different hats that you wear, we want to know about you. So I don't know maybe. how I get much deeper. Than <laughs> yeah, I mean, we opened this thing up with some passion And past your DJ skills. So, yeah. Smitty, go ahead and ask him the first one. You've done a ton of interviews now doing uh, your TV work. What is something you've never been asked in an interview about yourself that, you know, you it gets overlooked? Yeah. I mean, I did a I did a book when I uh, in my final year in re- retirement. So I got I feel like I got <laughs> everything. Um, you know, I think most people probably stay away from you know my my biological father and that that side of my 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 life and upbringing, um, and and really don't dive very deep into the Vallejo stuff either. You know, of of what that was like. But I don't know. I feel like we kind of touched on yeah, on some of that. So. God, you know, when you've been doing this as long as I have, I feel like I've been asked everything. I can't think of anything I haven't been asked. I'm not. Uh, yeah, that 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 one might might keep me speechless. I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> you've mentioned NASCAR has diehard fans. How does your relationship to your fans change from the beginning of your career now to the end? Yeah, I th- I think it's gone through a a wave of of interactions because I think it w- it started out as and 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 you you brought this up early on when we started this about I started getting cheers uh, you know new guy on, on on the track and and oh you know he's doing good all oh, you know might have a new guy to cheer for or maybe they like the way my car looked whatever it was and I was like ooh I'm starting to hear some cheers that's awesome that feels good mm-hmm. and then I started winning more and I was racing with Dale Earnhardt senior right became rivalries and all of a sudden those those cheers quickly turned into boos that were definitely louder than than the cheers, and so then I was at this place where I was like, I don't like them, you know, I don't like them for you know why, why do they not they don't even know me, mm-hmm. and so then then you know you you get experienced with it and you go okay I realize that has nothing to do with me personally it's it's what they're passionate about and I respect that and so I, I think I went through and also with my own fans I went through this place of. You know, hey, don't bother me while I'm eating. Don't bother me in the bathroom. Don't, you know, like give me my personal time. If I'm with my family, you should know. Not, But but I'm actually, you know, I think now that I'm removed from it and not in it as, as, as entrenched from a race car driver standpoint, now I'm like, man, anybody that 
follow me fan of mine that 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 wants to to you know get that picture I'm I'm all for it. And okay, there's still limits. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's still well, a few minutes. One little disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> but but I just I think I have a greater yeah. respect and appreciation for their giddiness, their you know, their their excitement or or you know the that you know take I don't know if if I've ever been that big of a fan of anybody's or or any one thing hmm. to fully relate but I do know that some of the times that I've met some cool people, I was like, you know, okay, I'm, I might, I might at this moment go, this is my one opportunity. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah, I've done that before, mm-hmm. and and so I get it now, you know. And and so I think I've just the things kind of come full circle from, oh man, I love this to, oh man, I I, I don't know if I like all this. Yeah. And and then then didn't think I liked the ones that were against me. Now I'm like, man, the more the merrier, make all the noise. <laughs> like I love now seeing fans. We we had a kid on TV th- this past weekend had a big sign saying, you know, I hope anybody wins, but but Kyle Bush, you know, and and uh, you know Kyle Bush kind of gets gets some heat for some of that stuff. Mm. But man. People are listening. People are watching what he's doing, mm. and I think it's about embracing it. That's yeah. the that's the one thing, you know. I was I was always afraid of, okay, what are people going to think, or how's this going to affect our sponsors or our career? I wish that you could just go out there in NASCAR, no sponsors, number on the car, your team, your race car, and just go race and be you, like mm. completely wow. be you. That would be. That would be one entertaining wow. form of, of, of racing, but uh, you know, I think we're we're all sort of held yeah. to some some sort of, of of standard that we've got to got to live up to to keep us in check or might get out of control. <laughs> so that that leads me to the final question. Hearing Jeff Gordon of today, if you go back in time and talk to Jeff Gordon, twenty one, twenty two years old, what would you tell him? Oh my gosh! Well, it, would I be able to tell him how how much how good things are going to go? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that it's crazy. I'm almost fifty now, and and I feel like, you know, I'm still learning things about me that that it's so cool to be in that place where you're just like, you know what? I've lived a great life, and and I'm very comfortable with who I am, and I'm sure that will even get greater as I as I go along. I, I wish that even though I had a lot of confidence on the racetrack, off the racetrack, you know, you have those insecurities. You have those mm-hmm. those things where you're just not so sure. And I see now, um, you know, just being able to, to – to, what I see people relating to the most is people that are just genuinely being them and not holding back. And I always, I always just held back a little bit. Was it because I was from California? Was it because I raced open wheel? Was it – you know, the type of sponsors that I had, I'm not sure, but I always held back. I always mm. held back just a little bit, um, not necessarily on the track, but but off the track. And, uh, you know, I don't have many regrets, but, but you know, I, I would probably just would have wanted people to, to see a little more of me along the way. Media, friends, fans, uh, because, you know, at, at home, I, I mean, they, they get to see that, but you know, just w- w- wasn't always there when I was when I was racing or, or at the track. That when I came to NASCAR, a lot, and, and again, this is just people not really even knowing me. 
just assumed that I got handed everything on a, on a mm-hmm. silver platter and that I had the easy street. And don't get me wrong, I, I mean, it went well, but I had to work my ass off. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of things, you know, lined up. And, but I felt like I had to earn it. Maybe I didn't it, have it, to earn it like Earnhardt had to earn it. But but I had to do it in my own way. But in, it, in your own way is key. But it lined up based off the fruits of your labor. Like it lined up because you you raced and met someone. They gave you their number. Then after your race, or a couple of days, or weeks later, you had to keep that piece of paper. Then you had to call them. They had to pick it up, and then you had to speak. They had to accept it. Like it, it's not you were ha- given everything. You, you you had to do it. You had some you had some some sweat equity yeah. into it. And the thing I can relate, you know, with you about it is that there were certain people out there that it didn't matter what I said, what I did. I could sit there and have an hour long conversation with them, and they were going to walk away with that, going, "Yeah, Jeff Gordon, he you know he had it easy." Or or you know, man, he got so they, lucky. They, got with they were going to judge. Yeah, they were going to judge. And, so, you know, I learned along the way, okay, I got to stop trying to convince everybody of, of how I got here, why, and just go do, do my thing. And, you know, luckily that, that thing worked out pretty good. The mistake, I, the mistake I made was I would – I knew the reporters and what they wanted. I knew some reporters had – preconceived notion of me. Yeah. So I gave them the lazy cursing Smitty. You gave them exactly what they were. I gave them exactly what they wanted because if I spent an hour with them and then after that hour, a couple of days later, the article was written, I was the son of a, like I gave, I gave them so much of who I am and they took that and just wrote this. Yeah. And I kind of was like, it doesn't matter what I say. Like, everybody always says that, like, Steve had a chip on his shoulder. If I break down, when I was in college, coming out of college, I broke my C4 vertebrae. I went to the University of Utah. It was not considered a good school. I was 5'9". A guy drafted by the New York Jets from the University of Miami named Santana Moss, was drafted in the first round, had the same height as me, but he wasn't too small. And the reason I'm saying that is, obviously I'm not jealous of Santana Moss, but when you compare, it's like, well, he's an apple and I'm an apple. Right. Right? Now, yeah, he may be, he's from Florida, so his apple maybe tasted sweeter, but he's still an apple, <laughs> right? He, he, he had a better product. He was a, you know, honey crisp. I, I was a... Granny apples. apples. <laughs> I can still be used. I'm impressed with your knowledge of apples. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? And, and so I always felt it was like I didn't have a chip. It was I never got a I never got the benefit of the doubt. Like mm. I broke my neck in college. You know why they didn't fuse my neck? Because I was told if you got your neck fused, you automatically were not a draft eligible. Fourth round draft pick, Chris Winkie. He broke his neck in Florida State, won Heisman. You know what they did? They fused his neck. He actually signed two days before. Listen to this. He signed two days before training camp as a fourth-round draft pick. 
and got more signing bonus money than me. Wow. Hmm. Well, all I, Steve, all I can tell I don't know a lot about San Talent Moss. I know the name, but but I've, I've watched a lot more, uh, you know, Panther games than, than – then I watched whatever team he played for. <laughs> and what I saw on the field was a guy that was just a fighter, man. Yeah, like, like well, dude, it. just digging, just getting after every single play. And maybe it was exactly that meant, you know, I, I, what I like about my side of viewing you, right, is that now as I've gotten to know you better, especially sitting down here, is all those things that happened in your life, like, that was in you on that field, right? Yeah. That that was making you do things that were pretty extraordinary, and and it it might have been something you were you're battling with, you know, emotionally Inter- and, and internally. internally. Yeah. But I think there were a lot of positives that came out absolutely on on, on how you played the game. Yeah. I'll be honest. Just after talking to you, I'm like, you know, we've been here 20 years. Um, we've met each other here and there, but man, never. Really, I, I've met one or two other drivers, and I'll be honest, I I just don't see and identify and kind of see the relationship just because there's just two different sports. You also, I felt like at times I'm getting that best version of them. And when I get the best version, I'm like, man, I, I, I'm still figuring out my version of me. <laughs> so, uh, man, after hearing you talk and just, man, it's like, man, I love the – you know, grab a bite to him and just grab a bite with you and just kind of chomp it up and talk and, and hear the more parts of Jeff Gordon that, that makes you you. Well, so. I appreciate it. Listen, I love opportunities like this that you've given me to, to kind of pull back the layers and, yeah. and open up a little bit more and, and hit me with some different things that, uh, you know, I don't normally get hit up with. So yeah. that's cool. And yeah. uh, and just mad respect, too. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I love being able to sit down and hear other people's journey. Yeah. So we got we got to get that bite. If 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 I'm coming, it's probably going to be mixed with some kind of uh, a beverage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you, Jeff. But but I won't, I'm, I'll, not ju- I'll, I'm not I'll, judging. I, I would love I'd love to, uh, to listen to hear more about your journey. We're gonna do something different. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And I'm Jeff Gordon. And this is Cut To It. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. (laughs) Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson, and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know.
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.